Welcome to Woman in Progress, the podcast for smart, successful, high-achieving women who are ready to choose themselves, stop following the shoulds, and have the audacity to create the perfectly imperfect lives they crave. I'm your host, Samantha Ushado, corporate leader by day, health mindset coach, and group fitness instructor by nights and weekends. I created this space for the seekers, the messy action takers, the women who are courageous enough to lean into discomfort in the name of growth and are willing to live life on purpose. So if you're ready to work on yourself for yourself, be an example of what's possible and meet other incredible women on the same journey, you're in the right place. Consider this your official invitation. Let's get to work. Hello, sweet friends, and welcome to another episode of the Woman in Progress podcast. How are you? Y'all, I'm so good. And I'm just jumping right in today because today I want to talk to you about quiet quitting. Now, if you're on social media or even just browse the World Wide Web from time to time, you will have likely come across this phrase, which has become popularized after a TikToker named Zaid Khan had a video go viral on the topic. Now, if you haven't heard it, allow me to share how he describes it. I recently learned about this term called quiet quitting, where you're not outright quitting your job, but you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. You're still performing your duties, but you're no longer subscribing to the hustle culture mentality that work has to be your life. The reality is it's not, and your worth as a person is not defined by your labor. Now, I've had so many thoughts about this concept and have read dozens of articles from the New York Times to the Wall Street Journal to BBC and everything in between. And I want to share my take on the subject, why I don't really love the term and what I think is problematic about it. I also want to talk about the important conversation quiet quitting has actually brought to the forefront and an approach I think we should adopt instead. Now, there's no question that the last few years of the panorama have fueled stress, burnout, deterioration in mental health, and drastically reduced employee engagement. Countless workforce studies on the changing world of work support the rise of quiet quitting and suggest it's actually more than just a social media hashtag. Now, I think we can all agree that the last three years have irrevocably changed not only how we work, but how seriously we take work. And while remote work and non-traditional work options are now much more mainstream, many people are still filling the squeeze to do a lot more with a lot less with no end in sight. So while the great resignation saw record high numbers of resignation with young and burnt out workers leading the charge, quiet quitting is a mindset adopted in anything but a quiet way, I will point out, by those who stay in their roles, whereby they do only exactly what is required for their jobs and nothing more. Case in point, social media is ablaze with people sharing how they are no longer going into work early, attending happy hours or work events, that they've said no to raising their hands for special projects or joining committees or employee resource groups, that they've stopped responding to emails after hours on weekends or while on vacation and are refusing to pick up the slack for their coworkers. And the list goes on and on and on. Now, personally, I find the term and the concept to be a little bit problematic for a couple of reasons. The first being that words matter. And when we label doing only the work your job demands and what you're paid to do as quitting, it villainizes the employee based on this underlying assumption that the employee is doing something wrong. And not only that, it reinforces the accepted norm that employees should hustle at their own expense and should be going above and beyond. And when they're not, it's akin to quitting, but it's not. You are not quitting. You're simply renouncing hustle culture. You're rejecting exploitation. You're setting up healthy boundaries and enforcing them. You're allowing yourself to have an identity outside of the work you do. And you are delivering on the results you were paid to deliver on and nothing more. 
This is what you should be doing. And there is a difference between coasting or phoning it in and doing the job you were hired to do. And the second reason I find quiet quitting to be problematic is that it comes across as righteous indignation or defiant. It's a passive aggressive way of withdrawing that silently communicates some flavor of I'm only going to do the absolute minimum because I'm entitled to it and I'm not getting what I want or I'm not feeling appreciated. Rather than you just having a candid conversation with your employer or just choosing to go out and find a new job. Now in coaching, we call this emotional childhood and it's essentially acting out your emotions rather than taking full responsibility for them and choosing thoughts that would create more desirable and appropriate emotions and actions as a result. It's the difference between mentally checking out from work because you are unhappy, overloaded and burnt out and deciding on purpose how you want to show up to your job or if you would be better served to leave your job entirely. And the truth is life is 50-50, as I always say. So your ultimate goal is to find a job that gives you a more fulfilling, positive 50% for you. But there will always be things that you don't like from time to time in any job. So your work is getting honest with yourself about what you need to show up as the best version of yourself. Because my guess, especially if you are a high achiever, is that doing the minimum and only what your job demands isn't providing you with the relief that you thought it would. And that's because your job, your boss, your coworkers, your workload isn't the problem. It's your brain and what you're telling yourself about your job, your boss, your coworkers, and your workload that is the problem. And now that doesn't mean that you don't eventually go from being part of the quiet quitter club to joining the ranks of the great resignation. It simply means that you make the choice from a place of intention and you like your reasons. Because the truth is, you're going to take your brain with you to the next job. And if you don't get a handle on managing your mind and understanding what's at the root of your dissatisfaction and disengagement, it will follow you to your next role in your next company. And to be quite honest, this brings me to my third and final reason why I find the concept of quiet quitting to be problematic. I think it prevents people from finding jobs they love, which provide them with a sense of meaning, belonging, and a sense of purpose. Now, writer Annie Dillard famously said, how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives. And for many of us, we will spend roughly 90,000 hours at work over our lifetime. So why waste it being unhappy and putting less effort in than you know you are capable of and dreading the work that you do? And that doesn't mean driving yourself into the ground or working at an unsustainable pace. It means that when you put your head on the pillow at the end of the night, do you feel proud about what you created, how you showed up, and the little pieces of your legacy that you're leaving behind? I want you to answer that. Because if not, I want to offer you a few ways to get clear on what really matters to you so that you can continue to excel at work without working overtime or burning out. The first is you've got to evaluate your priorities. In order to set boundaries in your career, you need to learn what your boundaries are. The fastest way to burnout and the fastest way to career dissatisfaction is that you don't respect what matters most to you. Now, for some of you, that may be clocking out of work on time instead of staying two hours later. For others, it means having a flexible work arrangement. I want you to take out a piece of paper or just close your eyes, if you aren't driving, of course, and ask yourself, if I could create my dream life, what would I be doing on a day-to-day basis? And I want you to dig into the nitty-gritty. So what that means is, if you exercise, would you work out in the mornings or the afternoons or maybe the evenings? Would you work first thing in the morning or start your day a little later? Where would you eat lunch every day? Would you be working from home, the office, in a co-working space or a coffee shop? Would you go for a walk in the middle of the day? Take meetings only in the afternoon? What does your dream life look like? And then ask your brain to go to work to figure out how to start incorporating those things into your weekdays, weeknights and evenings right now. Because here's the simple truth. The vast majority of the stuff we want in our dream life, we are capable of doing right now. 
We just need to believe that there is no there, no magical destination where the stars will align and everything will fall into place. If you crave it, you can create it. The second thing you need to do to get clear on what you want and to avoid quiet quitting is to share your needs. After you determine what you need your position to be and look like for you to be successful and happy in your role and life, you need to speak with your manager or your employer to gain some understanding of their expectations of you and align your priorities. You may have one idea of what your job responsibilities are and your boss may have another. If you stop doing some tasks because you feel they're outside your scope, it could look like you're slacking if your manager thinks those are part of your job. So the best way to have this conversation is to just be honest about your workload and ask for help prioritizing what needs to be done and what can be deprioritized or delegated. And if your goal is to get fairly compensated for any additional work you've taken on, present the facts to your manager about your job performance and what you've accomplished so far. You need to be your own biggest advocate and the CEO of your career. And while it is always ideal to be recognized and compensated for your work, it doesn't always happen without you stepping up and asking for what you want. And finally, be willing to set and honor your boundaries in the name of work-life balance. One of the most challenging aspects of this, especially for high achievers, is sitting with the discomfort of saying no and being willing to set and honor the commitments you make to yourself, especially when others are used to being able to ask things of you. I would say this is one of the most difficult skills to be able to master, but one that is critical if you want to capitalize on your work ethic, see sustainable success, and not burn out. Now, this may look like starting small, setting 30 minutes of focus time in the morning to set yourself up for the day, or booking off your lunch hour so that you can eat mindfully rather than multitasking or skipping lunch altogether. It may mean declining any meeting invitations that will prevent you from getting your work done and either asking if someone can record the meeting for you to review at a later time or provide you with meeting notes. Or perhaps you log off Teams and close your computer at 5 p.m. three days a week because you committed to yourself that you head to the gym for a workout at 5.30 and it's an appointment with yourself that you cannot miss. Once you've gotten clear on your priorities, it will make setting your boundaries a lot easier. The hard work comes in having your own back and being willing to let other people interpret them how they will. It takes courage to choose yourself when your employer or your colleagues are used to being able to reach out to you at all hours or expect that you'll respond to emails within an hour of them being sent. The truth is, most of what we do is not urgent. We are not curing cancer and it can all wait. You have to put your oxygen mask on first and be the example to others of what good looks like. You are no good to anyone burnt out or checked out. So instead, be willing to have an honest conversation about what you are willing to do and not do, and then stand by it no matter how uncomfortable. And if you want to learn how to set boundaries, create real work-life balance, and reduce your stress and anxiety so you can actually show up in your career as the engaged contributor you most want to be, and you're ready to claim it, it's time for us to talk. I'm currently filling my last one-on-one coaching spots for 2022, and if you know one of them has your name on it, I want you to schedule a consult with me by going to the show notes, and we can talk about doing this work in depth together. And before I let you go, sweet friend, be sure to share this episode with a friend who needs to hear it. There is a reason videos related to quiet quitting have amassed over 350 million views in less than two months. People are exhausted and they don't realize checking out and scaling back aren't the only way to overcome the dissatisfaction and disengagement they feel. There are other options and I'd love to help more people with this. So feel free to spread the love. That's all I have for you today, angels. Take good care and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of the Woman in Progress podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? Don't worry, the conversation doesn't stop here. Because I want to invite you to apply for one-on-one coaching with me so that we can apply this work at a much deeper and personal level. 
If you're ready to go from stuck, stressed, and searching for more to clear, calm, and creating the life you crave, head to the show notes and book some time on my calendar to get started. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, here's to being a woman in progress.